Mikey boy, listeners, welcome. Episode one of our crypto podcast, Mike. I'm name Jack. TBC. Name TBC, yeah. Send in, <laughs> your, send in your name requests. We've got a few. <laughs> We've got a few, but suggestions welcome. So I'm Jack, and this is Mike. Mike, how are you? Good, good. Thank you, Jackie boy. Excited for us to get our first, uh, first show on the road. Still, still waiting on name, but I think we can figure that out along the way. Like you say, maybe we get some recommendations from the listeners. So, mom, if you've got any thoughts out there, <laughs> yeah. feel free to let us know. Yeah, Comment do text below. Us. Or just send yeah. me a WhatsApp. Either way is fine. Stop wasting your time. Get back to your real job. Thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> so, all right, Mikey boy. This has been, it's been a long time coming for me and you doing this, but obviously the listeners don't know that. What is this? What are we doing? Well, really about crypto and about blockchain. And I think, so we've obviously, you know, we've talked about this, that like we've been threatening to do a podcast together for years on whatever subjects may or may not just be whatever, interesting. Just whatever the hot topic <laughs> is at the time. And I think we, so we both obviously have like an, an interest in crypto and the, you know, there's a lot of other content out there about it. But I think for me, the, the big thing is I wanted us to have a vehicle that we can use to learn along with the listener about crypto and about the crypto space and really about like some of the more technical sides of it. Because I think there's a lot of um, terminology out there around things like blockchain or staking or DeFi, like some of the things that people know from a high level, but that when you really try and get under the weeds, um, people don't often know about it, myself included. Uh, so yeah, just a good way of us learning more about the space, really. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's fair to say we've both fostered an interest in this space, in the crypto space, over the last couple of years, probably. Um, and that's developed more and more into more, as the more we've read and talked about it and talked to our friends about it, and it's obviously exploded into the sort of zeitgeist. But as interested and sort of invested as I am in it, there's still loads of lingo I don't understand. There's loads of core concepts that I'm still kind of learning about and peeling back the layers of. And I think we both felt, didn't we, that there's, while there's a lot of media out there and a lot of exposure by a lot of experts in, in the podcast world, in any, any sort of online forum, that it's still quite daunting when you, even if you look at some of these intro to crypto things, there's a lot of jargon. That I just feel like, right, I, sh- I need to have read an essay before I even watch this video. Right. So what we're trying to do with this, I think, is be the, the layman be the dummies and learn as we go. And hopefully the listener can also learn. And that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for both of us. (laughs) uh, But I I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's that concept of like the crypto for dummies with us being the most qualified dummies in the room. Um, And and for me, like what really sparked this was I was having that conversation with you months ago about staking my crypto. And you were asking me some pretty basic questions about <laughs> what is staking. And I was mm. like, oh, well, you know, you put your put your crypto on an app, on a BlockFi app or on Nexo, and you you make a, you make a yield on it. And you were asking me, well, where does that go? And, you know, how do you make that interest? And I realized I had no idea. So I have, mm. you know, a decent amount of my, um, my money and my savings out there being staked in something that I just really don't fully understand. And I think that I'm probably not the only one. I think it's probably a ton of people that, again, understand those like high level concepts, but really are taking maybe risks, educated risks with their money without really understanding what's going on behind it. Um, So, yeah, I think us being the dummies in the room, as tough of an act as it's going to be, I think that's maybe the, the angle we come at it from. Yeah, definitely. So this intro episode is really that. It will just be us discussing really why we're doing this, who we are, who we see this podcast series for, who it's probably not for. And yeah, a little bit of background about our crypto journeys so far, what got us into it initially, why we became interested in it and what our current positions are now, I think. Because I think that's quite important where I often watch a YouTube video or listen to a podcast and I'm like, well, how much has this person actually, you know, are they all in? Are they just dabbling? Are they are they whatever? So I think it's quite important for us to be clear on maybe not, you know, total how invested we are in raw numbers, but in terms of our 
split say how what we are currently invested in if you yeah. agree with that i've realized i've just put that to you now not in, not in zero <laughs> mention of that in the prep no, I think that makes sense. And it's that like skin in the game concept, right? Like how much money do you, or not even how much money, what percentage of your money do you have in each yeah. coin? And there's so much content out there that is, you know, is Solana going to make it to 20,000 or how to retire off one Dogecoin that I always feel like I, I never really know. The people that are pumping those altcoins or that are promoting those price predictions, I never really know um, how much they have in it what their long-term strategy is like is that part of a strategy that is just i'm going to buy this now with the plan to sell it a week from now once it, it you know it gets a bit of virality of the next kind of five days or is it somebody really sees value in this and their plan is to hold it for five years or 10 years or 20 years and i think it is pretty different i think it would also be fun for us to talk about some of those different investment strategies and ideally speak to people much smarter than we are um, that are invested in the space and find out what are the reasons that drive it for them. You know, I'm, there's a ton of friends that we both have. We've got friends that have, I've got friends that have put money into crypto and then sent me a video, like a YouTube video with a couple of thousand views. And that's driven that like, just that one video from somebody they've never heard of and have no idea who they are has driven them investing into like a random altcoin project. I think it would be great to find out like what are some of those bigger kind of macro investors outside of crypto and like some of the institutional money outside of crypto that's starting to get invested what are the drivers behind their decisions and like how do they see the space evolving versus just like dave on youtube says by shiba inu and yeah really understanding some of those kind of bigger macro plays yeah definitely and i think oh for me personally i'm anticipating my my views to change quite drastically the more that we do. So right now I'm, I'd say, cautiously optimistic and confident behind some of the core concepts behind the crypto space. But I'm fully prepared to learn more about it and actually think, well, actually, maybe this is, is this all smoke and mirrors or, or this is actually the future, actually. So I'm prepared to, you know, I don't want us to have a bias of, yes, all crypto is great. And the whole right. thing is great. You know, I want us to get quite forensic and challenge some of the, you know, the key cornerstones of why people say it is secure in the future and, and all of this. And yeah, just stay open-minded, I think is the, the key. Well, I, th I think that's something that you and I are both pretty good at as well, to give us a little pat on the back. Oh, is, we're great. Um, we are great. <laughs> we are brilliant. Listeners, yeah. you're so lucky. You're so lucky. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that we're both in a position where like our egos aren't going to force us to continue down a rabbit hole on something right like it mean you can get super excited about something if it sounds great and this is some amazing altcoin but then we find out oh here's a reason why that's actually dog shit and it's not worth mm -hmm. anything i don't think we're the kind of people that are going to double down and like be blind to it and we would have no shame and being like okay you yeah, know that that sounds like it's maybe not a good idea and again i think the raw like you said there's a lot of content out there in the crypto verse at the moment um, of people that or, or it's almost like a religion or like borderline obsessive about this space mm -hmm. um, and who knows maybe maybe we jump onto that bandwagon instead but yeah I just think it would be it, it would be great for us to always be open-minded keep an objective eye and if something doesn't sound right to not be afraid to kind of call bullshit yeah very well put indeed Mikey boy so well I guess we've sort of covered the we've covered what we're doing really, I think, on a high level. We've said who it's for, I think, and it's for the people that are, I'd say, at our stage, really, of, or maybe maybe even maybe even a level below our stage in terms of investment. They're just a bit curious about what crypto is, what is all this talk about this thing, and what are the fundamentals of it? I think it's very much for that kind of listener as a kind of first step into this world of crypto, would you agree with that? Is, have I missed someone else who it's for? Yeah, no, I think so. I think it's for people that are, like, like you say, very much at the start of their journey and that want a couple of idiots to learn along with. Yeah. I think would be the best way of putting it. And we'll We're try our best to <laughs> we'll try our best to play those roles. Yeah, sure. We're really striving hard. So who's it not for, Mikey? Who's if you're if you're tuning in and you're a crypto expert, should you switch off? <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably yes. Yeah, yeah. um, 
I mean, I, I think it's probably not for somebody that already knows a ton about the space, because I, I think it's important for us to cover some of the basics. Like, you know, we talked about when we cover Bitcoin, it would be great to actually talk through the Bitcoin white paper. Now, that's something that if you've, you've been in this space since 2013, you probably read that and you probably know a little bit about it already. So I think it's for people who want to know that like next layer of information past just a couple of YouTube videos of like, what is the basic concepts? It's maybe people that want to know a bit more about it, but the people who have been in this space for 10 years are already crypto export experts. They'll probably be more frustrated and aggravated <laughs> at how little we know. Yeah. Um, and the, the pace we'll be taking it at. Um, and also, I don't think it, this is, you know, you see a lot of those um, kind of pump and dump, let everyone buy Shiba Inu and then we're going to sell it next week or just like crazy price predictions. Is Bitcoin going to hit 12 million by tomorrow? I don't think we're ever going to want to do that or promote any like get rich quick schemes. Um, so anybody that's like looking for a quick trade or to make a quick buck, we're probably not going to be very helpful to you either. Yeah, I think you've covered it there you've covered it there and I'd, I'd just add that if you're as i said at the start if you're like me and you you are really interested but you i sometimes watch a video or listen to a podcast and just feel a bit dumb because i don't grasp a few of the words they're saying even though i feel, I feel like, like i am invested yeah, yeah thanks yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy is a bit dumb. Yeah, yeah. it's a real feeling because i am dumb we are dummies <laughs> on a lot of these things so if you I think we're going to go to the fundamentals of, you know, what is the blockchain? What is, what does crypto mean? Why is it called crypto? What is Bitcoin? What is Ethereum? I think we should, we're going to go to the fundamentals. So yeah, hopefully if you've felt like you need to, to kind of cover the key bases, I think that's, that's what we're here for. But there we go. I think one one other thing I'd add to that, which we probably should have said is that we do plan to have, um, guests on the show that we can interview that will actually know what they're talking about and probably should have mentioned that there as well those kind of like experts in the space that we can grill so i think bringing somebody like that onto the show uh, and what we can try and do is get them to kind of dumb down the technical language and put it into language that we'll understand and then hopefully the, the listeners will as well great okay i think we've we've sort of covered the bases there on on what we're what we're aiming for with with this series but who are we, Mike? Who are we? Crypto aside, who are you? Who am I? Tell you me about yourself. <laughs> you go. You go. <laughs> you go. Back to you. Who the hell are you? It's like an awkward first date. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, obviously, you know me well. We, we've been friends for 15 years now, 15, sure. 16 years, which yeah. is pretty wild to think about. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Mike. I'm from Birmingham in the UK originally. Uh, yeah, originally from the UK, but now living out in America in a tiny little mountain town called Breckenridge in Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, which you're yet to come visit, Jack. Just, just saying. Busy. Been, busy. Been, been a bit busy. busy. Yeah. COVID. But um, yeah, so I, and basically I set up a couple of different companies mainly in the tech recruiting space so a lot of the work i've done has been like headhunting technical talent um started out as a recruiter in england and then moved out to the us set a few companies up out here and then was fortunate enough to sell one of those a few years ago and i think that gave me some of that like starting investment capital like up until that point all of my money had very much been like cash in with a mattress um, <laughs> and, and not very much of it <laughs> um, to be honest it was not causing a, a lump in the mattress but um, yeah that that was kind of gave me those fundamentals of like having some some money to try and invest and to try and like build wealth and then more recently I set up a company um, that is headhunting it's called Blocktal and we're headhunting blockchain and crypto talent um, so that's been really fun. As, again, just getting a better understanding of the space. And at the moment, we're working at Blocktow with um, Coinbase and with Robinhood and a few of the other bigger exchanges to help them hire blockchain engineers, smart contracts developers, cryptographers, and some of the, the kind of newer skill sets that are supporting this kind of crypto economy and crypto ecosystem. So you would hope that I would know more than I do in, in that role about crypto. I know a lot of the, the big key terms, uh, but again, yeah, hoping that the show can help me like 
better that understanding. And yeah, I guess the, the only other thing I'd say, is you, obviously, you know this, but I didn't go to university or to college, as call it in the States. Um, and I think most of the business skills that I've built that have helped me in my career have been self-taught and have been from YouTube. They've been from podcasts. They've been from listening to various interviews. And um, that's something that I'm really passionate about. And like, I, I always want to spend my time on. And I think being able to like jump down those rabbit holes is something that maybe lends itself pretty well to crypto. Um, but yeah, that's my, to me in a snapshot. Excellent. Very Let's good. Your story. Yeah, Michael far. I should have gone first because yours is a lot more, more interesting than, than my situation. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I went to school, did my A-levels, went to uni, but no, I, so I'm, yeah, I'm from Birmingham as well, where, where Mike and I met. Uh, I now live in Bristol. So southwest of we uh, we t- sorry to interrupt. We tell oh, yeah. the listeners where you're from in Birmingham, just in case we have any uh, US sure. listeners. I think they find the name of They'd your enjoy town. The name. My wife does really yeah yeah your, a- your hometown. So Acox Green, it's called Acox Green, as the Americans like to <laughs> to, to put their spin True on story. it. True story, yeah. Good old good old AG. But yeah, now live in Bristol. I'm a, a software developer for a. Um, a private pensions firm in Bristol. And yeah, I think that's where my interest of investing and private personal finance kind of fostered about six, seven years ago. Um, and that journey's led me, of course, to the crypto world, I think. Pretty boring, really. But it's, it's as I say, it's provided a platform for me to um, kind of connecting with what you were saying, Mike, explore a lot of rabbit holes, feed that kind of natural inquisitive mindset that I think we probably share. And that's kind of led, led me down this path to, to where we are now. And I'm really keen to, keen to explore it and keen to, keen to see where it goes. Well, so, but I think your background is really interesting for this because of the combination of like software engineering, technical understanding. Like I think you'll be able to pick up a lot of the technical concepts here a lot, lot faster than I will. Um, and then also you have been in the finance space and just like personally been always really interested in investing. I, you, your Dave Ramsey videos that you used to send me. Big up um, Dave. Felt like Big up Dave. <laughs> yeah. Probably driving traffic to Dave mm. to get, get some kind of commission off that. But yeah. Um, yeah, and I think your, your interest in both those areas like lends itself really well to crypto. Um, and then just in general, you are someone that's so super detail-oriented and wants to know the why behind everything and like goes down those rabbit holes as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go on this yeah. journey with you. Jack. Yeah, going to be good, Mikey. Going to be good. Yeah, I think the just to touch on that about becoming interested in it's kind of personal finance and and things. I think we've, I think lockdown, especially speaking from the UK side, <clears throat> lockdown when when COVID hit really reduced people down to being crude about it, down to them and their laptops for days, for weeks and weeks and months on end. And I think those of us with a, a, a tiny bit of inquisitive mind, which is most people, I would say, that environment really fostered this resurgence of interest in personal finance what am I doing what is this new thing I need to look at this let's get interested in something because the real world is so dull and scary now let's really deep dive into the digital world and and I think that caused a big resurgence in that I think you and I were had had garnered an interest in this sort of thing a bit prior to that but that certainly for me massively catapulted it and accelerated it and that as well I mean, we, I, guess we, I guess we will go into this because it comes into the theory behind the blockchain and things. But lockdown really made people, especially of our generation, question what they're doing day to day, question the establishment, question the accepted order of the way you live your life. You work a nine to five, you make this money, what's it for? I think those questions really started being asked and have really helped to fan the flames and the embers of, of the crypto world. I mean, you, Micah, you've, you're a completely fascinating, unique person in that I think you've always naturally questioned that. You didn't need a pandemic to question that. You've always had that in your bones, that I feel feeling of this isn't, why are we all doing this? Why are you all doing this, this thing? 
and you haven't been afraid to go against that grain? Well, I, I think that that for me comes from um, that like question and authority that maybe is something that's for another podcast, but that very much I like, picked up from my dad. Um, but and that's like been all throughout my school career and was maybe why that wasn't as fun of an experience for me or, or my teachers as it could have been. Um, but I had that exact same feeling as you after the crash in 2020 of just it, it feeling like kind of everything had broken and it was like a big shake up of the system. And I think, yeah, like you said, I think a lot of people felt that. And the other big thing was that the stock market just completely tanked and in such a short period of time. And what, obviously that's happened in the past, but I think for our generation, it was the first time in our, like, I don't want to say adult lives. Like we were adults in 2008 when that crash happened, but I don't think we were really paying attention. It didn't, we were lucky enough that it didn't really have an impact on us. We were so early in our careers. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas this was one that kind of like shook up everybody. The crash itself really affected us in, 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 in our small business. We went from working with, maybe 30 different clients, um, 30 different big tech companies down to one client in the space of about a week. Um, and our business was basically just on hold for a couple of months. So I had that same thing of you as like everything had been shaken up and just found that I had a ton of extra time on my hands. And I think a lot of people found that with working from home Definitely. Like without having a boss over their shoulder, they could maybe do a bit of research as to what was going on in the stock market. And I think that having that additional time having everything shaken up and then the other factor was the recovery was so fast and in almost in at least in the stock market right like not in necessarily in everyone's day-to-day -day lives mm -hmm. um but the recovery in the stock market was so fast that for anybody that did invest or dabble with investing um after the kind of initial crash in like march april 2020 almost whatever they picked did well and I think that's something that's massively encouraging, whether, you, whether you'd invest in crypto, the stock market, basically almost any company or sector um, went up by 20, 30, 40% and has continued to. And I think people realizing that and kind of realizing those gains, it gives you the confidence. It makes you want to learn more. And that's one of the things I'm interested in us like delving more into is I think that there's a generation of young people out there that are, um, have maybe seen some success in investing in crypto and are questioning like the typical nine to five job, you know, and, and the, yeah, whether that, again, that's probably a conversation for another episode, but that was definitely something that um, I noticed was that a lot of my friends that maybe hadn't otherwise been in, interested in investing or in crypto or stock market, it was suddenly being talked about. People were sharing more stock tips. Um, and I think, it kind of coincided with the rise of some of the apps like Robinhood that offered fractional trading, mm -hmm. um, that offered free trading. Um, and, and it basically almost like supported that democratization of investing and took it away from being seen as this like really scary thing that Wall Street people do. And your average person is kind of restricted from it to something that, hey, with like 20 bucks, you could go and put it on a, a, a random piece. stock. Um, and that was also, uh, for me personally, when I really went down the rabbit hole on Bitcoin. And again, I had those couple of months where work was was just like insanely quiet. And I started following more of the kind of big headlines in the US about the money printing. And that's something I'd been interested in for, you know, since, since after the 2008 crash, had just always found the, the kind of debt cycle really interesting. I watched a, a really good um, YouTube documentary about it called The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, I think, by yeah, the Renegade yeah. Economist. Mm -hmm. And it talked about the cycle of debt printing, oh, sorry, of money printing and increasing the debt and of civilizational collapses in history, like the Roman Empire, um, where one of the big drivers for that was money printing and effectively debasing the, 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 the currency, yeah, and leading to inflation. And there was a stat that I remember reading, like, remember where I was. Um, and it was like so, so vividly because it just really shook me up was that as of November 2021, um, I think it's about 40% of the total dollars in circulation were created in the past 18 months. Um, that was what 
that kind of scared me and made me want to learn, well, where should I be putting my money? Like, do I want to keep it in cash or do I want to buy gold? Do I want to buy these other like traditional inflation hedges? And that was what led me into the trail of Bitcoin. And yeah, I haven't really kind of looked back up the rabbit hole since then. Yeah, that's really, really well put, really. I think a lot of people felt similar, similar feelings, really. And I think you mentioned the the fact that it bounced back so quickly and people had dabbled with the investing in their, you know, in their living rooms because of how accessible it is now. I think you're right. That made people think, oh, hang on, I can make money here. But it also, I think, made people think, well, there's all this suffering around, but the people holding these stocks, the rich, the elite, have gotten richer in this time period. So, and I think that made people think, well, hang on, there is this pie that I'm not getting a slice of and never have. And now I want some of this now. And I think especially in the UK, it's less so in the US in my experience. I think in the US, there's been, there's much more of an education on the stock market and putting your money, you know, there's TV ads on um, private equity firms and you should put your money here. Whereas in the UK, people just talk about a pension. They don't really understand where a pension's invested, even though that is in the stock market most of the time. And they view the stock market as this scary, risky things stocks will go down any any prospect that your savings could go down is terrifying to anyone in the uk you know going up 0.5 percent a year rather than going down two percent a year and up 12 percent the next year that's quite a uk fear risk averse natural feeling for people in the uk to have i would say i think i think that's spot on and i think it's something that's maybe seen as your making money off other people or exploiting the markets like it can be seen it's maybe got a bit of a neg- negative stigma to it um in a way that it just doesn't have in the us and i don't know maybe that's a, a personal thing but um that's definitely something i think about people's mindsets in the uk sometimes it's yeah. it's scary but also like almost like it's wrong to like get immoral immoral to, yeah, to make yeah. money on on yeah the capitalist system i suppose yeah it's a funny one i think that is a you're right. That is a UK thing, but it's also a. La- I think it's a UK thing, but it's a, just a lack of education. Like the elites in the UK definitely know it and have known it. You know, the UK is one of the biggest finance centers in the world. They definitely all know these things, but the comp, the general public, you're right, have got have had a a real lack of education. And I just 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 speak anecdotally. I know, like every month, I keep track of my investments, uh, as many of us do every month. I have, you know, I tally up how much profit I've made that month or whatever the loss is that month. And a month went by recently where I'd made more money from my investments than my monthly salary was. And that's, wow. that's the first time that happened. That was like a mind shift. Not only was that a mind shift to me, but my partner, she couldn't believe it. She was like, well, take that cash out and we can buy a, buy a whatever. I was like, well, no, no, like leave it in. And you know, that, that mindset of, We've want you've got that money now, crystallize it and keep it. Or and conversely, a month, I think the month before I'd lost a couple of hundred pounds overall. And she just couldn't believe it. She was like, Well, why, why would you have your money somewhere where you could lose that money? But it's right, you know, that kind of short that view of your money is your money and it's cash always is very permeated here, I think. I mean, she's not an idiot at all, but she, that was the way. And that's the way I used to think about money, you know, a premium bonds, put your money in premium bonds here. So in the UK, a premium bond is a, well, I guess we'd have to go into it, but it's very much a very low interest savings account, the government run here, but they award prizes for your investment rather than a a flat interest rate. So you might win 25 pounds or win 50 pounds each month. But over a year, that interest rate's incredibly low. But people view that, oh, as I won £25 on my £40,000 investment, I'll go and spend that down the pub now. You know, that's right. completely the wrong way to, well, not the wrong way, but that's a way that everyone here views views an investment, gain again on an investment. That That's partly the like financial education as well, right? Because if you, yeah. it, you it, that may seem or like that may feel like a safe way of just kind of saving your money. And I think something that I didn't realize until honestly until the last couple of years was that well you're 
you're actually losing money in doing that um, yeah. unless you have like a big win. But if you keep money in cash or in something that's effectively the same as cash, which most premium bonds are, like when you mm-hmm. look at the percentages people make with those win rates, it's yeah. rare you, you're going to make more than half a percent a year on a premium bond when you exactly. average it all out. Um, and uh, if inflation is three percent and you're making half a percent on your investment you're actually losing two and a half percent your purchasing power has been reduced and i think that's something that again if you haven't been educated on finance which neither of us have and that's come from playing around on youtube or listening to podcasts um, and it is something that i think it's probably a conversation for another day but should be part of the educational system that should be something we're taught in school um but if you aren't if you aren't aware of that, keeping your money in cash, which I did for years, by the way, um, you're losing money. You're losing money Same. every single year. And the higher that inflation rate goes up, the more money you're losing. And it, it, I think it was Einstein that said, like, the one of the biggest things people fail to understand is compound interest. Yeah. <laughs> you probably put it, probably put it in a little yeah. bit more. No, I, think he said, I think he said, like, it's the, the, the ninth wonder of the world is compound interest or something, didn't he? It was like a if you understand it, it is a magic tool that you can, right. it's an amazing part of nature, compound interest. Yeah. Um, and it works both ways. Like if you, if you make 5% a year on an investment for 30 years versus if you lose 5% a year to inflation over 30 years, the compound effect of that is insane. Insane. Yeah. And we should, maybe we can do an episode where we like talk about what those numbers actually look like. So I think that would really help drive it home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I, to bring it all back, I think you're right. I think the crash in 2020 and, and maybe COVID was part of that as well, like the remote work and just everything being kind of shaken up and questioning authority and realizing storm. even people perfect in charge storm, don't it? know what they're doing. Yeah, right. yeah, definitely. And even that those things manifested in the Black Lives Matter movement, the protests here in England, there were loads of, it was just this perfect storm of of that authority being questioned, I think. And yeah. And to tie that back to crypto, that is where the ethos, I think, behind the blockchain and crypto, that is the roots of those kind of roots of taking things away from the establishment and and in the hands of the people a bit more. Well, that's interesting enough. That's where I, I think this is right. And we'll look into this a bit more when we do the first episode that we're going to do on Bitcoin, on like the origins of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, I think that Bitcoin was created almost as a response to the 2008 crash and to the money printing that happened in 2008. So the mm-hmm. fact that 2020 and the crash and the money printing in 2020 is what has gotten like a whole new generation or certainly a much broader set of people interested. I think it's probably. It, it, there's an interesting parallel there, I imagine, between the actual origins of Bitcoin coming as the result of, a, of the previous crash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thinking about stepping outside of this and thinking about what a listener might be hearing us say now is they might say, well, why is money printing bad? Why is it bad? We can print money. It's in our hands to print it and solve these problems. What is the consequence of the state printing money? I think, well, firstly, if anyone questions it from a like, hey, you know, they, they don't believe it's bad. Look at Zimbabwe or Venezuela or um, 1920s, 1930s Germany. Mm. Like what happens when you print more money is that you you inflate your currency. You make money worth less. And if yeah. your money is worth less, then your purchasing power goes down year on year. Um, and in any other instance of um, huge amounts of money being pumped into the system, we've seen inflation increase over the coming years. And uh, again, we're right now it's the highest it's ever been. Oh, sorry, the highest it's been for 30 years. So almost the highest it's been mm. in our lifetime uh, in but, the United States. Yeah, there was yeah. a failed plan by the Nazis to drop counterfeit money all over the UK to cause that exact effect. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's it. Does it's yeah, you know, we've known for it's a it's a it's a law of nature, really. Inflation, isn't it? And it has been seen historically, as you said, that documentary pointed it out that it has this it has this awful effect. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to going into not what not only why that's bad, but why crypto offers a solution to that, and those same effects won't happen on crypto because a big thing 
a big thing people fail to wrap their head around with crypto is, well, couldn't someone just hack it and print loads of them? Or couldn't someone just, it's all on the computer. So just control C, control V. I've got two Bitcoins now. Like that kind of why those things don't apply to Bitcoin. It took me a while to get my head around. And that's that's the seismic shift you need to make to to sort of start properly understanding it, I think, of why you can't just control C, copy and paste 500 Bitcoins or why the inventor of Bitcoin can't just change the rules on the fly. Those fundamental right. questions I think people have uh, and we should explore explore answering them. Well, I think on top of that, another like little fork off that is exploring. So that's Bitcoin, right? And um, Bitcoin is this kind of programmable or self-determined algorithm. Like it, 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 there is, there's no company that is Bitcoin. There's no mm-hmm. organization that controls the supply of Bitcoin. It's a, a limited finite supply. But I think also exploring well, has to, how does that differ to the other coins, the other tokens that are out there? Yeah. Because they, they're seen as all potentially being currencies or all being money. And I think sometimes that's where a bit of the confusion comes. Is like, well, no one's going to use Dogecoin or no one's going to use Ethereum instead of cash. But it's like that might not be the purpose of that token. And that what we're seeing now is based on blockchain technology, based on cryptography, um, people are creating all of these other tokens and projects that have completely different use cases outside of even being used as, as money. So, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to talk about Bitcoin and then also about some of these alternative tokens that are nothing to do with inflation and nothing to do with, um, you know, store of wealth. And are um, they have like a utility outside of that and, and some of them in really crazy, unique new areas that, that we've never thought of. Yeah, it's a very part of what makes it a really exciting space is the variety that's already there. I think you know it's not just a picture of a cash note on the screen; it's far, right. far, far more than that. And yeah, what people, what these geniuses around the world are doing with them is is fascinating to to just learn about and watch. I think, and and I personally think it is it will be a big part of the future decades as we as we go forward. I hope so, because we're both also pretty, well, <laughs> pretty heavily invested. Yeah. In it. <laughs> well, speaking of that, good, perfect segue, Mike, because I think the next bit, the, the, well, the, really the last thing for us to talk about is our specific personal crypto journey so far. When we started investing, when we learned about it and when we started investing in it and what our current positions are now. So you do wanna, you want... You want to go first? Yeah. Yeah, I can go first. Um, so I've, I've only been invested in crypto since march this year i would say i've been i was learning a lot about it reading a lot about it for for a couple of years before that but never felt the need to really take the plunge and to be honest was quite lazy about when i started reading about it when i started reading about the the, the, some of the hoops you had to jump through to even invest in it this is before the coinbases and the binances became accessible i was too lazy to do it frankly um and, and I guess not as interested, because if I was super interested, then I would have found a way. But at the time, I wasn't. Um, so, yeah, it was only in t- when Coinbase launched, I sort of followed that for a bit and thought, you know what? We're in lockdown. Let's just let's just let's just throw some in there. Um, and I think that was originally just just some Bitcoin. That was with a lump sum, I should say, in March. And since then, I've just dollar cost averaged. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and I've got a little bit of Dogecoin for when that sort of spiked up. We'll talk about, as you say, we'll talk about those kind of meme coins and the effect they have on, on the space. Um, and a little bit of Decentraland as well. That was a tip from you, Mikey boy. Thank you very much. But what's what I've found interesting is do- the dollar cost averaging method, which is putting, a, putting the same amount in each month to Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, and not selling it and just putting that same cash amount in regardless of the price of either of them has proven great results so far. And there's been ups and downs, of course, but as ever that psychological effect of the more you have invested, the more interested you are and the more invested you are emotionally and intellectually, that's definitely manifested itself with, uh, with me. So, so yeah, that's where I am really, really Bitcoin, Ethereum, the two flagship leaders of the coins, but I imagine as we learn more and as we do, do this podcast regularly those positions will change and and i'm interested to see where it goes yeah so that's me mike you're a bit all more in, all in on yeah, there it is 
<laughs> now, how about you? When did you first? When did you first invest? Well, so I first I first tried to invest in 2013, which Ooh. I oh no, sorry, no, 2014 when I was in San Francisco, and one of our mutual friends at the time, Steve Ruddy from Newcastle, Steve yeah. um, ahead of his time as always, very much ahead of his time, and he yeah. told me he was like, Mike, this is going to be big, like trust me, just buy a couple of them. I, I can't remember how much it was at the time, but he was like, just buy a couple of them and leave the it. Oracle. Like, eh, sure, why not? Like I'll take a punt on it. Um, and went to down, I think at the time I ha- would have had to download or may- maybe Coinbase existed and I just didn't know where it was, but I-, I think I had to download a private wallet to then send it to and similar to yourself was just a bit lazy and ended up like signing up for the wallet. And then there was like a verification check or something and just never followed through with it and probably yeah. went and played. It was a football game on. yeah, <laughs> online <laughs> <laughs> and-, and just never, never took the plunge and then didn't really follow it at all until... 2017 as it started to rise um so i bought some in 2017 and then um sold it after it started to crash so i made a little bit of money off it but it then like really plummeted down and i remember like just thinking okay that was a you know that was a one-off and that was back when people were comparing it to like tulip mania and saying it was a crazy scam and it was never going to work out it's going to go to zero and it felt like that was being shown out so I, i just kind of avoided it after that then when I really got more invested and more interested, so I didn't have any um, crypto then until the 2020 crash. And as I said, in March, April went down that rabbit hole on inflation. Bitcoin had really crashed as well. And, and we can talk more about why that was and whether Bitcoin is correlated to the stock market and whether if there is a big stock market crash, should we expect that crash in crypto? But when there was the last downturn, it did correlate and Bitcoin crashed as well, but it started to kind of creep back up. And it was actually in August 2020 that I went in big and I bought, um, or yeah, I bought a significant amount of Bitcoin at 10K a coin or at like 10, 11K a coin. Um, and then like you said, like where your money goes, your, your mind follows, like just then became, I was checking it much more often, wanted to learn more about it. Um, and that investment obviously did very well. I then started looking into Ethereum and into Cardano and into more recently Solana. So have um, kind of been down a few more rabbit holes since then. And at the moment, I have probably 90% plus of my net worth of my, you know, outside of a, 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 some real estate, um, about 90% of my net worth is now in crypto across Bitcoin. Is the, the uh, is about kind of fifty percent, then about forty percent Ethereum and ten percent a handful of other tokens like Cardano, Solano, um, Polkadot, and what am I forgetting? Chainlink, and then um, yeah, and then uh, Mana, the um, decentralized metaverse token. Uh, but yeah, and I think the more I've more I've kind of started learning about some of these other projects, the more interesting I think they are. And to an extent, or in, or in some ways, even more interesting because they're more about changes in societal behavior or new use cases for everyday life outside of just this like investment, make money, inflation hedge yeah. um, that, that Bitcoin is maybe seen as. But yeah, so I'm very, very invested in the space at the moment. And yeah, I when mean- things really corrected um earlier this year that was obviously very painful but i yeah i think i'd I'd still am just super bullish about this space and think that we're really at the early stages of it and hence kind of setting that newer company up that's even kind of within the blockchain and crypto ecosystem is it's almost like my way of doubling down on it in my day job as well um so yeah very very excited about this space yeah, amazing stuff, Mikey boy. It really is. I mean, that I think that reflects not only our. I mean, I, I forgot to add. I'm about ten percent of my entire portfolio is in crypto now, um, which is obviously in stark contrast to to your all in nature. And not, but not, not only does that I think reflect our personalities, me being more risk averse naturally, sensible. Um, well, <laughs> it's, it's exactly, you can cut it. You can cut it different <laughs> ways. But the psychology is fascinating to me about that. Those those two attitudes and whether you know what effect i remember saying to you once i remember you telling me about you you when you did that when you went when you made that commitment 
and telling you and I, I, I mentioned my partner earlier and her response to to my investments and I think I it was just that shifted and I I took her stance on you and I remember saying to you well Mike you could get on a plane from America and fly over to the UK and in that time lost half your net worth without being able to do anything with it but looking back at that like that applies to anything doesn't it that that could apply to if you have your money in the stock market which where most of my money is so it's sort of right. a i mean it's not as volatile but that's because it's much more mature that as a space but does that and does that not worry you like it would worry me did you get sleepless nights over it do you check every morning is that a what's the mentality that you used to cope it definitely does but i think at this point the, um, well, firstly, I, I put a kind of ninety percent of my net worth in last year, and I think so. So basically, from the returns off the space, I'm probably I probably four or five x my net worth from being super bullish and kind of going sure. all in. So at this point, if it like you say, if it dropped in half, yeah, that would be really unfortunate. I would not be happy probably be a bit moody for a while, be a bit grumpy for a couple of days, but I would still have doubled my money in that time. Yeah. So I think at this point, it's it, that's maybe not the best way of looking at it. And like I have had much smarter, wiser people say like, take some off the top, take some money out and then just kind of keep that, keep some of the money left in. But I also just am so confident about this space that um, I, I think it's worth that risk. Having said that, if it did drop in half, yeah, I would sell. A significant chunk of it or you know i would have to can start thinking about it on the way down and when things did crash earlier this year i did start selling some as it went down and then just put it back in when it was when it pretty much dropped in half so i like to think i would do the same thing and get out if it looked like i was ever gonna get close to my initial investment but um yeah I, i'm just really hopeful that <laughs> hopeful that doesn't happen yeah i mean that's yeah it's interesting because we've got obviously friends that also dabble in it and invest in it and things and i find the difference between speaking to them and speaking to you about it is they talk very much in terms of the day by day dips and ups they're like right well it's gone the way down i'll buy now i'll put a stop loss on i'll i'll wait for it to bottom out then i'll buy then i'll sell when it's higher like it's the it's the day trade mentality of it, and I think the difference between that is they're still thinking in pounds and dollars in terms of I want to invest in this, I want to put ten pounds in and take twenty pounds out and spend that twenty pounds like I would twenty pounds, rather than this is the future, like this has inherent value and will be inherently valuable in the future in itself, not just because of its pound worth or dollar worth. You know, I think that's the difference in right. those mindsets. I think another thing to add to that though is I, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in the US, if you keep an investment for longer than a year, it's taxed differently. So if you buy Bitcoin and sell it after six months, you or less than any time, less than a year, or, or any crypto, right? You buy it and sell it in under a year, it's taxed as income tax, or it's taxed at the income tax rate. Um, if Rather you buy it and hold it for over a year, yeah, exactly, it's capital gains. And that tax rate difference can be, you know, anywhere from 20 to 25, 30%, depending on what tax bracket you're at. Um, so for me, it would be, it, it only makes sense to do that if the difference is significant enough. And also, I just, I don't want to ever be a trader. Like you mentioned, how often do I check Coinbase? Far more, <laughs> far more often than I should and would like to. I don't want to be in a position where I'm like, you know, a family meal and I can't really concentrate because I've got this quick short-term trade yeah. that I'm waiting to hit a certain dollar amount. And, and listen, I'm sure there's much smarter ways of doing that where you have like automation or bots or stop losses and, you know, di different kind of things you can set up. But I don't think that that's something that I want to get into is trading. It's more like a long-term investment. And yeah, like you say, where do I think this space is going to disappear overnight? No, no. Or, or even disappear at all at this point. No. Do I think it could drop by 50%? Yes, very much so. But I think that it's much more likely at this point that it continues to grow, even if it drops along the way. Um, and the, the comparison there, I think, for Bitcoin, um, and we'll talk about more about the comparison of Bitcoin and gold, but Bitcoin is often talked about as digital gold. 
the market cap for gold. So the total value of the gold market is about $10 trillion. Um, the total market for Bitcoin, the total market cap at the moment of us recording this, I think is a, around about a trillion. Um, and Bitcoin is a more efficient version of gold. It's better in almost any way you can think about it for like portability, uh, non-fungibility, all of these different kind of measures that we talk more about. Um, and it's one tenth of the market cap. And if you look at any new technology that comes out, like, you know, Netflix coming out and destroying Blockbuster, it's because of the digitization of where the product is housed and how much more efficient that is. You don't have to go to the store in the same way as you don't have to go and get your gold bullion out of a bank or out of a treasury reserve. Mm -hmm. And then um, the same with like a, a digital camera, the digital digitalization of photographs and photography is why Kodak is pretty much bankrupt, but we all use take pictures more than we ever have. And I think that what we're seeing now is that within money and that gold to Bitcoin is the first version of that like digitalization. Um, and yeah, so anyway, I'm kind of rambling a bit here, but that's yeah. why I feel so like passionate about the fact that we're so early on that I, it just doesn't feel like a risk. Yeah. But maybe we do the show over two years and two years from now, it's just you playing me small clips of me sounding like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a win-win for me. Win-win for me, if that's the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that whole real world to digital shift is where it's another massive macro theory that drives this, isn't it? That's what the metaverse, Facebook changed its name to meta. The metaverse is right. happening. I saw it quite well defined. It was, the definition was it's when the point comes when the individual values their digital self and digital world over and above their physical world self. And that is where things are shifting and have been shifting over the last 20, 30 years. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm sure we'll talk more about that in future episodes, the whole metaverse concept, because it does tie right. in with web three metaverse crypto. It's that's Digital the world art. we're talking about. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, there's loads, loads to cover. And it's, it's fascinating to, to learn about. Okay. Mike, I think we've covered all our points for episode one here now. Strong start. There's yeah, hell of a start. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Have we not? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered everything off that we wanted to talk about. And then hopefully by next week, we'll have a name. Yeah. Um, so if uh, if my mom, if Mrs. Hayden can come through and uh, drop off a name for us, that would be helpful. Please um, do this. But yeah, no, this, this is fun. And um, yeah, excited to learn more about this with you, Jack. Yeah, you too, Mikey boy. And you too, the listener. Thank you for listening to episode one. Uh, Going to aim to make this available, Spotify, Apple, probably youtube as well if you want to see it somewhere else mom let us let us know <laughs> you can um, send it on whatsapp too don't worry yeah about I'll just, yeah. <laughs> just tune in live tune in yeah um but yeah thanks a lot mikey boy and we'll speak again cool. soon see you next week ciao